1: Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of
0: top performers. I'm Dr. Riley Nadler. We have Dr. Kathy Greenberg on the line. And we are your leadership development coaches. We have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. And today we're really excited to have Bruce Tolgan. And Bruce is an internationally recognized uh, expert on young people in the workplace, you know, so that Gen Y or millennials. One of the leading experts on leadership and management, and he's a best-selling author and advisor to business leaders all over the world. Today we're going to be talking to him about his new book, uh, not everyone gets a trophy and how to manage uh, Gen Y. Let me tell you a little bit more about Bruce, and then we're going to bring him on in a little bit. Uh, Bruce has worked with 10,000 of leaders and managers and hundreds of organizations, ranging from Aetna to Walmart, from the Army to YMCA. And he has been called the new Tom Peters by many who have seen him speak. In recent years, Bruce was named by management today as one of the few contemporary figures that stand out as a management guru and it was included in financial times listing of the world's greatest management thinkers and then also in january two thousand nine bruce was honored to accept the toastmasters international most prestigious honor it's called the golden gavel and this honor is annually presented to the single person who represents excellence in the fields of communication and leadership, and listen to these other folks who have won this in the past. They have included Marcus Buckingham, Stephen Covey, Zig Ziglar, Deepak Chopra, Tony Robbins, Ken Blanchard, Tom Peters, Art Linkletter, Doctor Bruce, uh, Doctor Joyce Brothers, and Walter Cronkite. And we'll tell you a little bit more about Bruce uh, when we bring him on. But you know that Kathy and I always want to bring you the best in current leadership topics, interviews with proven leaders. And provide evidence based best practices to help you develop more leaders in your organization. And Kathy, welcome to
2: the call. Good morning. Hello, everybody. Hope everybody's having a great day. I guess we're a little uh, three hour time difference here between the East Coast and the West Coast. So for those of you who are back East, good afternoon. We um, are very excited today to have Bruce with us. And as you know, on every show, we like to give you real information that you can use and that you can leave each show with and apply. And whether you share it with others or use it yourself, we're happy to make sure that you're you're getting something really valuable in each program. We also know that leaders are the heartbeat of every organization, and of course you know that too. But most leaders will underestimate just how much influence they have over others, and thus they and their teams can, well, you know, underperform. But doing a few things differently can really drastically improve your performance and your organizations. What you'll learn in every show, as we promise, is something about how to develop more leaders in your organization, what happy companies know about performance and how you can learn that too. We also share something about Relly's sweet spot on emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies. And we love to give you information about the brain And neuroscience, and today we're going to talk about Gen Y, generation and gender differences. So I guess you're going to get ready now for a wonderful experience with all of us to learn some more strategies to self-manage you and the people you work with, and really, um, maybe you can tell our audience a little bit about what we know about science-based coaching and the science of happiness.
0: Well, thanks, Kathy. We always like to give a little bit of the evidence base and. Leadership Development News, we talk about leaders, and the reason we talk about leaders is we know leaders have 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team, and that leaders are the emotional thermostat for the team, and we know that because emotions are contagious, and so whatever the leader seems to be experiencing and how they're dealing with some of the stressful times today reflects directly on their team, and the team picks it up because emotions are contagious, and we also know that the key to being a star performer, and as we define that, that's someone in the top 10%, is this emotional intelligence, these, some of these competencies. And if you look at the key aspects of how smart you are and techno expertise and emotional intelligence, a lot of studies have shown that emotional intelligence is, is the key factor as high as, as 85 to 90% of the factor that allows you to move up the corporate ladder when compared to IQ or techno expertise. And we also know if you can get some of those B leaders to be A leaders, move them into the top 10%, someone in the top 10% is twice produces twice as much revenue to the organization as someone in the 11th to the 29th. And both Kathy and I are coaches. And when you bring training to an organization, some of the researchers showed you get about a 22% increase in productivity. But if you add training and coaching, you can get a productivity bump of about 88%. And some of the research has shown that you can bring coaching networks into your company in just one day, and that can increase profit. And studies have shown in Kathy's sweet spot that happiness is tied to profit by uh, more than 93%. If you're interested in more information from Dr. Kathy Greenberg, her website is www.h2cleadership.com for her happiness books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching services. If you're interested in, in me, Dr. Rowan Nadler, uh, my website is www.truenorthleadership. There's some free EI assessments and tools there, and also information around speaking, keynotes, leadership, and uh, coaching boot camps. So, Bruce,
3: let me welcome you to the call, and then I'll tell you a little bit more about uh, Bruce. Well, thanks so much for including me. I like uh, the work you guys are doing very much, each of you, and together. And Thanks for including me. Well, good. We're going to ask you a series of questions, but let
0: me just kind of add a little bit to what I've said before, you know, just about your bio. So we mentioned that, uh, a lot of things, and let me just say, your new book, Not Everyone Gets a Trophy on How to Manage uh, Generation Y, just came out by Josie Bass, and so we're going to talk about that. But you're also the author of the recent bestseller, It's Okay to Be the Boss, and the uh, classic Managing Generation X, which was put out by W.W. Norton, in 2000 and bruce's other books include winning the talent wars which received widespread acclaim from fortune 500 ceos and business journalists and also the bestseller fast feedback this is 1998 and managing the generation mix which was came out in 2006 many of bruce's works have been published around around the world and bruce's writings have appeared in a dozen of magazines and newspapers including harvard business review business week hr magazine New York Times, U.S. Today. And before founding Rainmaker Thinking, that's Bruce's uh, organization, we'll get him to talk about that, that was in 1993, he practiced law at the Wall Street firm of Carter, uh, Ledyard, and Milburn, and he graduated with high honors from Amherst and received his law degree from NYU Law School and is still a member of the bar in Massachusetts and New York. Bruce continues his lifelong study of, of uh, a special breed of karate and holds a fourth-degree black belt. He lives in New Haven, Connecticut, and his wife, Debbie Applegate, Dr. Debbie Applegate, won the 2007 Pulitzer Prize for the biography uh, of her book, The Most Famous Man in America, the biography of Henry Ward Beecher. So you have two writers living in the same house. So, Bruce, welcome again to the show. (laughs) Oh, gosh, thanks. Well, uh, that's my whole life story. (laughs)
3: We got a little bit of everything in there. It's a good life uh, well, story. Thank you so much for including me. And um, yeah, well, uh, uh, we've been uh, doing this research on young people in the workplace since 1993, back when I was a young people in the workplace. So, Gee.
0: and I, I mentioned to Bruce, so you look at his picture; he still looks like he's a young person. So, congratulations. it's uh,
3: probably an old picture.
0: <laughs> well, Bruce, we want to we want to start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself some of your background and how do you come into the work of leadership and management especially you know having a law degree and being on wall street
3: oh well you know gosh uh i was an unhappy lawyer for a while that led me to 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 start doing research on a book but well we've been doing research on young people in the workplace since 1993 which is when we started interviewing young people and uh, i know that um the two of you are both concerned with evidence-based work which is um also near and dear to my heart we've um, everything I write and say and do is based on, on what is now more than 15 years of research. And What we do is in-depth interviews. So we, do, um, we don't ask multiple-choice questions. Uh, we ask open-ended questions, and we ask people, how are you being managed? How does that affect your ability to perform? How do you want to be managed? Tell us about your best boss. Tell us about your bosses who are not so good. Why do you go work someplace? Why do you leave? And, um, and what we do is we keep these in-depth interviews going as long as people are willing to keep talking to us. So uh, a lot of our interviews have been going on for now 15 years. And my first book was Managing Generation X. That book first came out in 1995. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, the second edition of the book came out with W.W. W. Norton in, in uh, 2000. And, um, but, but ever since I started doing the research for that first book, uh, we've continued to interview young people, and uh, the most recent book, Not Everyone Gets a Trophy, is is just uh, today's young people. Uh, you know, Generation Xers are now in their late 30s and early 40s. Uh, we're no longer the young people in the workplace anymore, so we've been tracking uh, the new young workforce now for, for over 10 years, and... Um, the new book is based on uh, on our interviews with managers of young people and also with young people themselves. And, of course, you know, there have been a lot of books and articles written about uh, this new generation. Some people call them the millennial generation. Uh, I don't like that term because I think it's too big of a time frame mm-hmm. uh, to be meaningful. And uh, so we've been looking at the folks born immediately after Generation X, those born in 1978, to say, uh, the youngest people in the workplace right now were born in 1995 with a note from their parents. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think they're probably Generation Z. Um, and, and you know, of course, this is a generation that has grown up in the aftermath of the self-esteem movement's research on childhood self-esteem. And uh, there's there was a big shift in parenting, teaching, and counseling uh, that occurred in the mid-'80s, which has had a huge impact on, on the child-rearing uh, that this generation has has come out of, and they're coming into the workplace over the last uh, uh, five or ten years. They've been filling up the youth bubble in in the workplace. And this book is about um, managing today's young young people.
2: Bruce, as you're talking, um, you know, I was a, a managing partner with a large company called Accenture. Oh,
3: I know and, it very well. We've done some work for.
2: Accenture. Oh, good, good, and. Um, uh, was also with Computer Sciences Corporation, and um, in managing 859 people on three continents, I came across a lot of the young folks that you are that you're talking about. You you mentioned something which I think our audience would love to know a little bit more about, and that is this self-esteem movement in the mid 80s. Because I know I got a lot of kids coming to me after six months on the job of being analysts and they'd say you know I've been doing this job for 6 months and I'm really ready for a promotion and you just I mean you love these kids you look them in the eyes and you just want to say okay <laughs> let's take this a step at a time so let's let's go back to this self-esteem movement that they were probably raised in that causes them to think that they're ready for a lot more than they really are
3: yeah and by the way the dynamic that you describe um hey you know, now that I've been doing this for a while and I'm really good at it I'm ready to move on to something else, the big disconnect with managers, of course, is, uh, and the Gen wires don't realize that the managers say, yes, you've been doing this for a little while and, and you're good at it. The reason we wanted you to do it for a while and get good at it is so you could keep doing it.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> right, that's the whole idea of getting good at it is so you could do it. Yeah. And they say, now I'm good at it. I'm ready to move on.
2: That's funny. It's amazing. Um, so, well, talk, you know, so, tell us a little bit about the self-esteem movement. You said yeah, that had well, a lot well, to do with I, I, why they do that? Well, let me just well, let me just, it, it, let me just interrupt because I think, I think we're going to need to go to a,
0: uh, a break and we'll come back right back to the this, this self-esteem piece. So, this is leadership development news, and we'll, we'll be right back. Carlos, age 9.
4: An abducted child is everyone's
2: child.
0: Jada, age 14.
2: To get free Amber Alerts on your cell phone, go to wirelessamberalerts.org. A child is calling for help. Brought to you by the Ad Council.
5: Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%? At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's Healthy People to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com.
1: listening to leadership development news profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts doctors kathy greenberg and Riley nadler we know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask so call us toll free at 1-866-472-5790 that number again is 1-866-472-5790 now let's get back to the show
2: welcome back to leadership development news we're talking to the author. Of uh, not everyone gets a trophy, and it's okay to be the boss. Bruce, you were um about to give us some insights on um, some of this um, uh, energy around uh, the self-esteem movement that started in the 80s that has created the workforce that we are now managing. Um, just jump back in on that if you could.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, of course, some people say to me, "Well, aren't there these big macro forces?" globalization, technology, institutions in a state of constant flux, the information tidal wave. And those are very important. But there's also this very powerful micro force, which is there was a bunch of research done by humanistic psychologists throughout the 70s and into the early 80s on childhood self-esteem. And it hit the worlds of parenting, teaching, and counseling in the mid-1980s. And as of the mid-1980s, there was a watershed change in parenting, teaching, and counseling where parents, teachers, and counselors began to see it as their role to build up the self-esteem of our children, to make kids feel great about themselves. So, you know, there was a time a long time ago when parents and teachers and counselors saw their role as breaking their child's will to make them humble before God, you know. (laughs) And uh, what happened in the mid-'80s is we started thinking, well, no, our job is to make kids feel great about themselves, and it's working. Uh, you know, uh, 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 child psychologists call this positive tolerance sometimes uh, where you tell kids, well, you know, all styles are valid. Uh, the other kids have base, their style. You have your style. Uh, you know, your kind of baseball has five outs. Their kind has three outs. Your kind has five outs, and they're equally valid. And uh, this has had a huge impact on the mindset of this generation. Um, they've been they've been guided and directed and supported and coached. Um, in fact, you know it's a, it's a cliche, but in fact, uh, most of them have had the experience of showing up, uh, and and you get a trophy just for showing up to the game, and and we're all winners whether you whether you come in first or last. And uh, this has had a big formative impact on the mindset of this generation.
2: Well, you're you're talking about. Uh, someone in my life who I love and adore, and that's my daughter. Uh, So I was one of those uh, parents who did that. So let me ask you, who who has been most influential in your thinking about leadership? Because I know she tells everybody I am, which is kind of frightening, since I'm one of these (laughs) mothers that you know, went into this self-esteem uh, movement with her kind of yeah, whole, whole well, heart. don't
3: get me wrong. I think it's, you know, perfectly appropriate for parents, teachers, and counselors to build up the self-esteem of children up through a certain developmental stage. It's just that at some point, somebody needs to welcome them back to planet Earth where there are winners and losers and all styles are not oh, right. equally valid. <laughs> you know. Um,
2: That's why I work with Rally, 'cause because my parents did that to me. <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, so, um, you know, listen. In my own work, um, I- I've looked at um, uh, the research of everyone from the folks at the MIT at the Sloan School uh, on fluid organizations, but I've also learned a tremendous amount from Ken Blanchard. And I've learned a tremendous amount from Stephen Covey. I've learned a tremendous amount uh, from Jim Collins. Uh, you know, those are the mm-hmm. you know those those are some of the obvious ones. But but of course, there's Maslow. Uh, where, where, where do you start? I learned more about capitalism from Karl Marx uh probably than than any other historian I, I I don't think much of Marx as a philosopher but as a scholar of capitalism um you know I learned a tremendous amount uh, I learned about authority and the nature of authority from Weber and uh you know uh, I've learned about uh time and motion from from Taylor and uh you know it's 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 the whole um uh, the whole uh, 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 canon of business thinkers, maybe about leadership and day-to-day supervision. I've learned from more than anyone else. I've learned from a guy named Sergeant Major William Whaley, Mm. uh, who was in the United States Marine Corps. Uh, He served in the Marines for uh, more than three decades. For a long time, he was the head of enlisted training at Quantico. And I had the tremendous good fortune of, of doing some leadership consulting with the Marine Corps. And when I was doing that, uh, Sergeant Major William Whaley was, was uh, still playing a very important role at Quantico, and I learned a huge amount from him about the importance of the old-fashioned basics, that all the theory in the world, uh, it doesn't do anything uh, if, if you don't know about the, the basics of supervision. Right. And uh, so I think... You know, maybe that was my my single biggest influence was was Sergeant Major William Whaley.
0: You know, I think some of the, the basics we talk a lot about this on our show, Bruce. But I mean, some of the research from Blanchard, you know, shows something like um, you know eighty six percent of of managers don't know how to give feedback. They don't know how to individualize their style. So really basic basic things. So I wanted to ask you a couple questions, just because, like Kathy, my my kids are a little bit younger, eleven and fifteen. Actually, my daughter's almost twelve, and I was her coach for the soccer team. And we were zero and eight, and we had we had maybe three shots on a goal after eight games. And everybody got a trophy.
3: Of course, <laughs> that's, that's a little confusing
0: when you get back to planet Earth. That's yeah, funny. So, so let me ask you uh, this question because uh, one of the I think the uh, one of the subtitles in your book is the Generation Y and that they are the most high-maintenance workforce, and I think that's what gets people's attention. But then you also say that they can be one of the most
3: productive workforces that we've ever seen. So maybe speak to that. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is a generation that um, uh, when you feel great about yourself, um, that means you're probably going to be more likely to take on significant challenges at an earlier stage in your career. Uh, You want stretch goals uh, at an earlier stage. You want to tackle challenges that others might have been afraid to tackle. And this makes them very valuable. Uh, they also walk in the door with more information in their heads and more information available at their fingertips than anyone ever has. Uh, sometimes older, more experienced people say that this generation, that they don't know anything. Well, it's not that they don't know anything. Uh, you know, the, the confusion there is that it used to be that if you reached a certain level of education, there was a shared knowledge base that we all could take for granted, and that's no longer true, but it's not true that they don't know anything. Uh, they know more than, than anyone uh, ever has, and they have access to more information at their fingertips than, than anyone ever has. And this is a generation that has never known of an unanswerable question. They've never known, uh, they've never participated in, in those conversations that end with, I don't know. You know, many of us are old enough to remember where you'd have conversations and they'd end with, I don't know. And then someday, maybe the next day, somebody would go to the library and check, but probably not. Uh, So, you know, this makes them also very valuable, makes them would-be experts on everything. It means that they're comfortable uh, answering real questions in real time, filling skill and knowledge gaps quickly as they come up in the midst of trying to achieve a tangible result. This makes them very, very valuable. And also, you know, it used to be that when a young person would join an organization, Uh, it would be taken for granted that, hey, you sit tight, you keep your mouth shut, you do as you're told, Uh, nobody takes you seriously until you've been here for a couple of years anyway. Just keep your head down, keep your mouth shut, and get a feel for the place. And in a couple of years, we'll look to you to be valuable. Uh, Well, this is a generation where if you've hired the right person, there's not a one of them who's going to sit tight for a couple of years waiting to be taken seriously. Uh, They want to hit the ground running. They expect to make an impact on day one. And this also makes them very valuable. So the irony is that the very same things that make them so valuable, also are the
2: things that make them high maintenance. It's funny when you say the word high maintenance. Um, one of the mottos we have uh, with the people that I work with is, "I'm high maintenance, but I maintain myself." <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> what was the amazing. second thing? I'm high maintenance. I'm high I...
2: maintenance, but I maintain myself.
0: Okay. So it's
2: like it's it's, it's almost like to Bruce's point, yeah. you you know what you are. You just declare it so right. that other people get you, and then you go, but it's okay because I take care of myself.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, I often say to business leaders and managers, you know how there's that one person walking around your, your place of business with a flashing neon sign over his or her head, I'm a special case, I'm a special case, I'm mm-hmm. a special case. You know, and, of course, managers always laugh because they always are picturing someone and I always say to them, you know, that person's doing you a favor because that person's admitting it. Everybody's a special case. It's just that most people are much better at hiding it.
2: Right, right. Now, you, um, you do believe that, that once we get um, this wonderful generation uh, of, of Y people, maybe even the Gen Zs that are yet to come, that they'll be, they'll be good knowledge workers once they're hired. How, how does that happen?
3: Well, uh, remember, this is a generation that is used to accessing and deploying knowledge in everything they do. My my view is that knowledge work is not about what you do, but how you do it. And if you are are routinely accessing and deploying uh, information and technique in the work you do, even if you're a ditch digger, then in my world, you're a knowledge worker. Uh, and and my my view is that you know well, all these managers who look at the gen wires and say you know oh every one of them wants, wants to be an ideas guy well you know what we got a bunch of grunt work we need to get done and we hire people because we were hoping they might help you know would you just do the grunt work and, and shut up uh, hey, uh, hey Bruce we're we're gonna have to go to a break so let's let's uh, come right back to this
0: this is leadership development news and we'll be right back.
1: Dave just pitched a tomato, which won't work. But a healthy, vegetable-filled diet could give you
0: energy to hit that grand slam. Run, throw, think, eat better. Can your food do that? Find out at smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
5: Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker, catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally, and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's Healthy People to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com.
1: Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers, with your hosts, Doctors Kathy Greenberg and Riley Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll free at 1 472 That number again is 1 472 5790. Now,
2: let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're speaking to the author of Not Everyone Gets a Trophy. And it's okay to be the boss. Bruce, you were just talking about um, how to get these Gen Yers to be really good knowledge workers once they're hired in, and I just wanted you to go ahead and finish off that that sentence so that we could uh, make sure the audience understood where we were going with that. Yeah, I mean, it, an important piece of the puzzle
3: is it's going back to what you were saying earlier, that, you know, how do you deal with the fact that this is a generation, that as soon as they get good at something, they want to. Start doing something new. Well, you know, you have to take that data and run with it. That that that's exactly what it means to want to keep learning in one's working life. Uh, so the question is, how do you how do you take advantage of that and tap into that without uh, uh, doing things that are bad for business and without driving everybody crazy? And what we one of the things that we help business leaders do is take more complex roles and unbundle them and uh, rebuild them one task at a time. So if your young people are saying, gosh, you know, I want this more complex role, and you'd say, well, you're not ready for it yet. You don't have the experience, the context, and the wisdom yet. Then what we're doing is uh, we're we're saying, well, let's unbundle these more complex roles and let's rebuild them one task at a time. And in doing that, you can also tap into the GenWire's desire to learn one new task at a time. So you, you, you teach them a task, let them sink their teeth into it, let them own it, uh, and, and, and then add another task. Teach them how to do it, let them sink their teeth into it, let them own it. And in that way, you're uh, one piece at a time rebuilding a more complex role. And in the meantime, uh, of course, there's a lot of grunt work that, you know, you hire them because you were hoping they would help you with the grunt work, and it's perfectly reasonable. Uh, and so one of the things that we urge business leaders and managers to do is, 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 is let, let them know, hey, we're keeping track of this grunt work you're doing. You're getting credit for it. Uh, this is one of the ways you score points around here. And by the way, it's also one of the ways you earn some of the more interesting tasks. Um, so, so that's another very important piece of the puzzle. And then meanwhile, uh, we also have been uh, teaching leaders and managers another trick we've learned from business from, from best practices out there, which is get your young people to keep learning notebooks and to keep ideas notebooks. They can be on paper or, uh, of course, on a computer. And, and as they're uh, learning one new uh, technique, uh, one new piece of information after another, and deploying the technique and information in their work, uh, have them keep a learning diary. And also, as they have new ideas, uh, have them keep an ideas notebook and you know maybe every 6 months they can they can pitch their their best idea to uh, to their boss. So Bruce let, let me just take the opportunity to to mention your organization
0: Rainmaker Thinking and if people need to get a hold of you it's it's www.rainmakerthinking.com is that right?
3: Yeah and at rainmakerthinking.com there's also a free totally free uh newsletter that comes out once a week and it's it's a video newsletter uh and and the text of About 188 back issues is available for free. It's a service we offer to the world for free. You know, I've I've watched some of those videos. Those are great. So you have 188 videos of those on your site now? Yeah, well, the text uh, for all the back back. issues is available. And I think we have like the the most recent three videos or something is always up there. And right now, what you have is kind of some of these myths that we're talking about. With, with the
0: Gen Ys. Yeah, that's what's up there right now. We call them the top 14 myths about Generation right. Y. But let me ask you this. One of the chapters in your book, and you're going to have to explain this, is local parentis management and why is that important. And this is very important because we do have a lot of managers dealing with Gen Y folks uh, you know, who are listening to us now. So what does that mean and how does that apply to a, a practice
3: for managers? Yeah, Well, a lot of times managers say to me, gosh, you know, the, these uh, young people, uh, uh, you know, they want me to hold their hand um, what do they, you know, I start feeling like I'm, they want me to be a parent. Is that what it is? After all, this generation has been so over-parented. I mean, the, to the point where uh, um, some managers now tell us that the parents show up to the interview or call in advance of the interview to ask questions, um, or some, sometimes even um, uh, employees, young employees, uh, their parents call to, to discuss their work conditions and their assignments. With their manager, so it's become almost cliché to say that this generation has been overparented, and the question is, what do you do about it? Uh, and I say you can't fight it, uh, so run with it, step into the void, uh, practice what we call in loco parentis management, uh, and of course, I'm I'm uh, um, saying that you know that is a chapter of the book, practice in loco parentis management, and it's not in jest. Uh, I don't mean you need to care about Gen Yers as if they were your children. Uh, what I do mean is that this is a generation that's never been left alone. Uh, they've had structure and boundaries and guidance and direction every step of the way. Uh, maybe they're coming right out of, a, of, of an academic setting where they've had a huge amount of guidance and direction uh, uh, from, from professors and teachers um, and counselors. Uh, and and um, so, so, so one of the things we've learned is that this is a generation that thrives on structure and boundaries. Uh this is a generation that thrives when older more experienced people uh teach them how to score points uh and and how to keep score when older more experienced people teach them uh, how to get their needs met. Uh that listen, uh older more experienced people have their parents have been negotiating uh small special rewards in exchange for performance with them for since they can remember uh in the workplace it's actually an explicitly transactional relationship uh they want so many things uh teach them how to earn what they want by negotiating in very small increments rewards for performance uh so structure boundaries uh keeping score helping them earn uh, one small reward after another uh, that's what we call practicing in loco parentis management
2: that's amazing it's um it's so true what you just said. And if I look at the young people that I'm working with, um, they really do like a lot of structure, and it it makes them feel uncomfortable when there is not structure, which I, I find a little uh, disappointing only because when you're giving people so much freedom nowadays to work as independent contributors on a team, and you're networking them so that they can work from home or anywhere else that they happen to be, you often wonder, are they actually getting done what they need to get done?
3: Yeah, well, the best way to do that is, you know, I always say, do Gen Yers want freedom? Of course, but uh, the way to give them freedom is within structure and boundaries. After all, it's a job. You know, there are very clear expectations. <laughs> so, um, uh, and, and, and the, the more closely you monitor and measure results, um, and concrete actions, well, then actually that makes it easier to give them some kind of freedom in where and when they work. Um, but, but you can't just leave them alone to manage them, themselves. That only works on a planet where everyone gets a trophy.
2: Right. Well, I liked your idea there, which I, I kind of heard between the lines, is because they're so goal-oriented, that if you at least structure their work environment so that they can have what they want in their work environment, you said the where and the when, They'll still get the goal done as long as they understand that structure around the goal.
3: Yeah, teach them how to keep score and teach them how to earn all that stuff they want, and they will. They'll they'll do it.
0: You know, one of one of the things we said earlier on, Bruce, is just how for most managers they're not doing the basics. You know, not with Generation Y or others about feedback or one of the things that Kathy and I talk about is delegation. And so it sounds like this group not only needs to be delegated to. But delegated very specifically with point A, B, C, D. You know, what do they need to do? And I think most managers give the end result, and they don't—they don't really
3: delineate all the steps. Yeah. Well, the secret to delegation, I think, is you know exactly how big of a goal does this person need with this task at this time? Exactly what kind of time frame can this Mm -hmm. person handle with this task at this time? Exactly how many guidelines does this person need with this task at this time? Delegation for one person is very different from delegation for another person, and the trick is to uh, give the person as much uh, responsibility with as many guidelines as that person needs. Uh, Everybody's different. I think anyone who thinks delegation is about letting go uh, usually gets very nervous about delegating, I think, for good reason. (laughs) Well, one of the things that that I particularly
0: liked in in your book is all the – uh, word for word narratives that jen Y says. And the same thing with Kathy has a new book coming out where, uh, she's interviewed women and, you know, specifically has their story. But so in there you have some very interesting things about giving points and actually giving points and then how that responded in the workplace. So maybe you could say something about that.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, the irony is that this, uh, Everyone Gets a Trophy generation has also grown up at a time when it's been easier to keep track of just about everything. Uh, uh, because of technology, we keep track of everything nowadays, um, and so this is a generation that's used to monitoring and measuring everything. Uh, in you know whether it's a video game or I, sometimes I say, uh, help them learn how to keep scores so they can play your game, like so that they can play your job like a video game, uh, and, and um, that that's that that's sort of uh, the extent to which you can attach points. To concrete actions within the control of individuals, teach them how to earn points.
0: So, um, we're to go to our next, uh, our last break here. This is Leadership Development News. We're talking with Bruce Hogan. Not everybody gets a trophy, and we'll be right back.
4: so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066.
5: Do you know who your kids are talking to on the Internet? Every day, children are sexually solicited online. Help delete online predators. Call 1-800-THE-LOST or visit Cybertipline.com. A message from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and the Ad Council. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker, catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally, and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's Healthy People to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com.
1: You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Doctors Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show.
2: Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We've been talking to the author of Not Everyone Gets a Trophy, and it's okay to be the boss. Bruce, before we went to our break, you were talking to us a little bit about how this generation are more like consumers in their, their behavior for um, getting them to, to work in an integrated way in the workforce and, in the terms of their rewards. Can you just close out on that idea before we move ahead? Yeah, I mean, well, this is a generation that,
3: um, you know, if Generation Xers think like entrepreneurs, they always want to sell you something. Uh, Gen Yers think like customers. Uh, and one reason is that they've had more buying power at a young age than any generation in history. And also, as they've come into uh, their through their their uh, uh, late childhood and into their early adulthood, remember that there's been a customer service revolution in all sectors of the public and private world. And so even in school, uh, there was a huge amount of pressure on 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 uh, say college and university leaders uh, to adopt the customer service revolution and to start treating everybody like customers. And so this is a generation that's used to being treated like customers. And when they walk into the workplace, they often are still thinking like customers. Um, and and, and uh, it's as if they're at the career store and they have their time and energy and hard work and uh, maybe their best ideas, and they want to know, you know, what, what rewards do you have to sell me in exchange for my hard work and time and energy? And ideas, and it's a different mindset mm-hmm. that's yeah that's
0: just just fascinating, and so that's kind of what you're saying is some of the the aspects maybe underneath of okay i've done this now what what else what else I got for me you know what's the next move
3: they're they're they're
2: there consuming
3: a career experience uh-huh. with you and from you that's that's what they're doing,
2: yeah, I like that. You said they are at the career store. <laughs> they're they're going to buy you know, their next career by the reward showing and up they on time. time and, and exactly.
0: Exactly. Well, the other piece of that kind of goes along with this is, uh, and you have a chapter called "The Gift of Context," and I think that kind of frames, you know, for managers listening. We talked about being specific, talking in steps about what they really need to do. But
3: what is, tell us a little bit about this gift of context? Well, that's very intuitive of you because originally that was one chapter. Uh, and and they split it into two chapters: oh. uh, the chapter on the customer service mindset, and and then my solution, which is give them the gift of context. For God's sake, we're paying you; you're not paying us. Right. When you're here, you're the only one who's not a customer. Uh, and and you know this is something that a lot of leaders and managers tell us that well they they, 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 they have a lot of energy and they have a you know uh, a lot of enthusiasm and they want to contribute. Uh, but they they don't have an appreciation of the differing context. They don't have an appreciation that um, some of us have been here for twenty years, and and that matters. And that's a different position uh, from which to approach this um, uh, work situation. That you know you've been here for five minutes, and we've been here for twenty years. So when I tell managers, give them the gift of context. Managers say, well, you know, isn't that basic? Do we have to explain to them that? this is the mission of the organization, this is what we're all doing here, this is where everybody fits, that there are a lot of factors that, that, that have nothing to do with you that still have a big impact on limiting what's possible for you here. And that's something that has to be explained often. Uh, often, as with everything else with Generation Y, you know, they, they have uh, uh, the tremendous, uh, gifts They have tremendous energy, tremendous enthusiasm, tremendous te- technical skills. But what they're missing uh, are a lot of the basics that, that older, more experienced people want to take for granted. And I always say to older, more experienced people, you know, you, 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 you get this uh, new species of superhumans that their parents have been trying to create, and, and they bring to the table a lot of uh, uh, just really tremendous gifts. But you have to do some of the work of filling in the old-fashioned basics. And So one of the things, uh, Bruce, just before we
0: start kind of winding down here, for people who are listening, what's some of your tips about the best way to retain these gen wires? We talked about, you know, gift of context and being specific with them. So, but So what's some of the best ways to, to keep them focused and retain them?
3: Well, uh, my view is that the biggest myth about this generation is that they want to be left alone you show me a Gen GenWire who wants to be left alone, I'll show you somebody who's hiding out and, and trying to figure out what he or she really wants to do next. If they care one whit about the job, they want managers who know who they are, know what they're doing, and are in a position to help them succeed. That's what they're looking for. And, and uh, the, the, the worst thing that can happen with a Gen Yer is to let uh, an otherwise potentially good uh, young employee get into a downward spiral uh, as soon as they start feeling like they're failing, they're going to start thinking about leaving. Hmm. Uh, so the number one thing you need to do is keep them focused and 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 through a strong, highly engaged, uh, intensive approach, uh, set up one small target after another, um, set up one uh, small uh, uh, learning opportunity after another, um, and every step of the way set up a quid pro quo where they can be in an uh, a slow, steady upward spiral. That is the trick to keeping this generation engaged and working hard uh, and, and focused on earning the things that they need or want through this experience. If, if you're succeeding, then Gen Wires will think of your job as a place where they can make an impact and build themselves up uh, using your resources. And as long as they're feeling like they're making an impact and building themselves up, using your resources, uh, then they're
2: not going anywhere. When you were talking about them not wanting to be alone, it's funny, though. They're always in front of a computer alone or texting alone. Uh, Even companies like supposedly Starbucks Coffees were created environments where people can be with other people while they're alone. Um, It's interesting that... um, we see them alone a lot but they're never really alone
3: yeah right well they look like they're alone of course they're 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 highly interconnected in this peculiarly atomized way beautiful
0: let, let me ask you this uh, bruce just because so much in the in the uh, media these days around twitter any thoughts about that and and how twitter is either helping hindering or contributing to society or the workplace i mean just curious about your point of view.
3: You know, well, all of this just-in-time communication, all of these menu-driven information systems, all of this social networking uh, that allows people to be interconnected even uh, across uh, uh, what would have been boundaries of geography and time, um, I think these are all the, the uh, elements that all of us are trying to get used to, but they've never known it any other way. Uh-huh. This is how they think, learn, and communicate. Uh, this is where we're all headed. It's just that they've never known it any other way. Right, right. Well, it does seem like, uh, at least from the Twitter phenomena,
0: it's kind of random communication from my point of view, not not necessarily so directed, but at least
3: it's a connection with folks. I'll tell you what, if we could figure out a way to provide them with guidance and direction through Twitter, then we'd really be on them. Yep. Uh, well,
2: so, I think uh, we just want to mention www.rainmakerthinking.com. Um, Relly and uh I think we're going to be signing off, it sounds like.
0: Yes. So, so, Bruce, thank you very much. This was very
3: enlightening. Maybe we'll have you back at some time. Definitely. Oh Well, thanks to both of you. Uh, You made it so easy, and what an honor to be on your program. Thank you. Well, this has been Leadership
0: Development News. We're signing off for now. Thank you very much for listening.